Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 132 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, December 9th, 2020, and we have our first game preview show of the 2020 NFL season. We're going to talk nothing, well, mostly nothing, but Pat's Dolphins. In this show, in the first half of the show, I'm going to talk about the things I will be watching and looking for when the Patriots have the football. In the second half of the show, I will be talking about the things I will be watching and looking for when the Dolphins have a football, including a deep film dive into Parker Gilmore 2. But football season is back. And how do we know football season is back? Because the timeline on Tuesday was a nightmare. Yes, I'm not talking about the Odell news we all woke up to. I'm talking about the debate over Aaron Donald and whether he is good at stopping the run. It sent the football Twitter world into an absolute maelstrom of badness. Fights, people throwing t- tridents, Duke Mannyweather getting ready to pull the Escalade over and yell at all of us. Football's back, baby. Before we dive into Pat's Dolphins, your usual reminders here at the outset. Follow along with the hijinks on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and Pat's Pulpit. And of course, Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today Wire Network. Let's talk Pat's Dolphins. And obviously this game is a little hard to sort of prepare for because, you know, in in every year, week one, it's sort of tough to get a feel on how teams are going to be, tough to get a feel on how things are going to play out because, yeah, you've had some preseason games, but it's all vanilla stuff, base packages, base coverages, base concepts. You're not really seeing the A game from everybody. You're seeing the day one install type stuff. You're not seeing team-specific stuff. You know, the Patriots aren't going to be running the coverage beaters they expect to run against Miami during the preseason games. So we're even more in the dark than we're used to because we don't even have that. And so that's why when I talk here in the next 20 minutes or so about the things I'm going to be watching for, the things I'm looking for on Sunday, a lot of them are really answers to questions. When the Patriots have the football I want to know what the player rotations are going to be at a number of positions. Wide receiver, running back, and tight end primarily. And you could say those are the only places where you would have rotations. Yeah. We don't know what it's going to look like. We can make some educated guesses. For example, when it comes to the wide receiver room, well, we know Julian Edelman's going to be out there. At least we assume that. And we expect Nikhil Harry as well, but 
Are we really getting Jacoby Myers and Damian Bird? Are we going to get an 11 personnel package to start the year of Harry Edelman and Myers, which was basically what we saw last year? Is Gunnar Oshevsky going to play a more pivotal role than perhaps a special teamer and wide receiver four slash five? So wide receiver usage is something I'm going to be charting and watching for. Same goes for the running backs. Now, with the news that Damian Harris is going to start the season on IR, it all becomes a little bit different. But still, is this going to be a Sony Michelle year or not? They're saying they might ease him in. Is this really, is, is Sunday going to be a Rex Burkhead and James White show? If it is, that's kind of where some of us expected it to end up. Given Cam Newton, what he does on the outside zone, wide zone game, and the elements off of that that you can bring into the offense now with Cam Newton as your quarterback as opposed to a Tom Brady. You know, I was talking a lot this offseason on how outside zone, wide zone might be the bread and butter of this offense now, which plays to James White, which plays to Rex Burkett. And so we might, at running back, have ended up where we expected to be with the two guys, James White and Rex Burkett, that run that the best. Harris might get there. I have some confidence that that is part of his bag, but now he's hurt. Whereas with Sonny Michel, we've got a couple of years now of film where it hasn't seen where he's most comfortable. He's most comfortable gap power behind a fullback. And then there's tight end. Or is this going to be, when they go two tight ends, is it going to be like we hope maybe Devin Asisi and Dalton Keene or... Is Ryan Izzo going to be more of a factor than we expected? Are they even going to use a lot of 12 personnel packages? Or is this going to be more of a 11 and 21 personnel team? Where it's really just one tight end. Is Dalton Keene a tight end in name only? Do we see more of him at H-back? Or even, dare we say, at fullback? So when the Patriots have the football... Rotations at those positions, certainly I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Building off of that tight end involvement. Obviously, since the retirement, and then I guess unretirement of Rob Gronkowski, tight end has been a massive question mark for this team. And it was a black hole, a lack, a complete lack of production of the tight end position last year from the New England Patriots. I don't think we're going to get the kind of production numbers sort of team-wide that we were hoping for this year. Talking about two rookies. Rookies take a while to sort of get up to speed. If I told you sitting here right now that at the end of the season, the Patriots' tight ends would account for 45 receptions, 600 yards, and four touchdowns, would you take that? I think I'd take that sitting here right now. But we'll have to see, and it might not all come overnight. It might take a while for tight end production to be part of the equation here. And so how often are the tight ends going to get involved? How often are they going to be used? Also something I'll be watching for on Sunday. And then finally, obviously the big one, Cam Newton, right? Are they going to... How? how let's put it this way. How much of the offense is going to be Cam Newton 
focus and how much of it is going to be the offense we've seen in the past. Because while I do believe, and many have written this, that Cam Newton can certainly be effective in an Aaron Perkins offense like we've seen with Tom Brady over the past 20 years, that might not be what he's best at. And so how much of the... RPO stuff, how much of the back shoulder stuff, how much of the QB power stuff and the QB draw stuff, how much of that stuff do they incorporate into this game plan, into this offense? Taylor Kyles, we all know him and love him, had a Twitter thread, video thread on Tuesday breaking down how a lot of what the Dolphins did last year in week 17 was congest the middle of the field. And... QB Veer, QB Power, a lot of that, especially against those bear fronts where you've got the guards in the center covered up, that's a way to attack those fronts. And Taylor put together a great video thread on that. And so they might get him involved with his legs more than you might even expect given what we saw from the Dolphins last year. And yes, given what Cam Newton and the Panthers did against the Patriots Last time these teams met in Foxborough, Patriots used a ton of bare front in that game. They used a lot of Cam Newton and his legs in that as well. So what kind of game plan are they going to script for Cam Newton against this Dolphins defense? Those are the things I'll be watching for when the Patriots have the football up next. When the Dolphins have the football, what are we going to see from this Patriots defense against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins? That's ahead here in episode 132 of the SCO Show. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 132 of the SCO Show. We're getting you ready for Patriots Dolphins set to kick off this Sunday at Gillette Stadium. The New England Patriots getting their 2020 season off in a divisional game. And... Interestingly enough, before we dive into what I'm going to be watching for when the Patriots are on defense, given that this is a divisional game, albeit against the Miami Dolphins, is this a must-win game for you? We've talked about how the Patriots' schedule is difficult before they get to the bye, right? Because you've got Dolphins at home, trip to Seattle, Raiders at home, trip to Arrowhead, Broncos at home, then you've got your bye. We've talked about that five-game stretch and what you want to see from New England. And I've made the case you want to be 3-2, and two, maybe even 4-1, and one, given what you see after the bye. But that's all on paper. Now the games start. 
still, this one feels like it's kind of a game you need to have. And we'll see soon enough if they can get it. What am I going to be watching for in the Patriots run defense? And of course, as we spend a lot of time talking for an offense, I'm going to be talking a lot, watching for player rotations. Up front, even in the secondary. Up front, I'm very curious, the mix and match of the defensive tackles. I expect to see a lot of Lawrence Guy. I expect to see a lot of Adam Butler. But how much do they use Brian Cowart? Then I want to see you know, the rotation at the edges. Dietrich Wise. How much are we going to see him? How much are we going to see Derek Rivers? You know, he made the team. It was questioning well, whether he was going to or not. But I'm very curious to see how much we see from Derek Rivers. And then the two rookies, Josh Uche, Anthony Jennings. How much do we see those guys? So very curious to see the rotation of the players up front on the defensive side of the ball. And in a sense, even in the secondary, we're going to talk about two of the safeties in particular in a second here. But, you know, we've seen a lot of McCourty, Gilmore, Jones as your three corners, period, full stop. Or J.C. Jackson. I mean, the cornerback rotation is going to be fascinating to me because there's a case to be made that J.C. Jackson is one of the best corners in all of football right now. But you've got four good ones there, which leads us to Juwan Williams. How much does he play and in what role is he used? Is he a corner or is he becoming, as some have theorized, more of a safety slash tight end weapon? Are we going to see him on Mike Jacecki? That might be a fascinating sort of subplot to this game because a lot of people, particularly those in the fantasy world, were sort of scratching their heads and Mike Jacecki as TE2 in the Dolphins' first depth chart. But a lot of people in and around the Dolphins organization, Joe Chad, for example, Joe Shad, who covers the Dolphins for the Miami Palm Beach Post, basically said, calm down, don't overreact. He's a basically a slot receiver, a big slot wide receiver. And so the fact that he's listed as T2 on the depth chart behind Durham Smythe doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't really mean anything. And so where he's a tight end in name only, they might be running sort of a 11 personnel package with Parker, with Smythe, a tight end, Parker, a wide receiver, with Jacecki on the field as well, and then maybe Akeem Grant, Preston Williams, Isaiah Ford. But it's forcing you to decide how are you going to treat Mike Jacecki. And if you treat him like a corner, like a receiver, Jawan Williams might be a guy to use on him. So I'm going to be very curious to see if that's how this plays out. And then Kyle Duggar, how much and how often and in what capacity are they going to use him? So very curious to see those two guys. As far as the defense, I'm also curious. I've talked about this. 335, 326, 3-1-7. Are we going to see a lot of sub packages this year from the Patriots? Your strength might be in the secondary. When you keep six corners, one of whom Justin Bethel is, you know, more of a special teamer, and then five safeties on top of that. Those are a lot of guys. And if you're running out sort of a base 3-4, you're looking at maybe both Jason McCourty and Jonathan Jones being on the sidelines. Then maybe having Terrence Brooks and Kyle Duggar on the sidelines as well. 
I think they're going to want to run a lot of sub packages, 335, 326, 317 even, to get those talented guys on the field. So I'm very curious to see how often they're going to rely on those sub packages. I could be wrong. They could be more confident in the defensive front than I am. But I think the strength of this defense is in that secondary. So I'm very curious to see that. Then finally, Parker Gilmore, two. Now think back to week 17. Obviously, it was a game that the Patriots needed. They needed it to secure that first round bye. And what happened? They didn't win a game. And in that matchup, Devontae Parker, eight catches for 137 yards. And it was a game that had Bills fans screaming on the timeline that this is your king, this is your defensive player of the year who just got torched by Devontae Parker to the tune of 137 yards. Now he kept him out of the end zone, but still. And so I went back and rewatched their matchup. And I've got six plays that I really want to talk about because two of his receptions, one wasn't even against Gilmore, and another was more of a zone. Actually, I've got seven to talk about. The eighth reception was not even against Gilmore. I've got seven plays to talk about. One of them, right, maybe two of them, are incompletions where Gilmore actually does things right. First play we're going to talk about, First quarter, second and nine at the 750 mark. And I'm going to put these into an article over at Pat's Pulpit so you can follow along there at some point as well. But for our purposes is here, this is a second and nine. Parker is aligned deep to the left. Dolphins go empty. Patriots go cover zero here. And this is kind of a, a theme of this game. Because remember last year, the Patriots played so much cover zero. That's man coverage, no safety in the middle of the field, no safety help. Gilmore gets beaten here. And when you watch this play, it looks like it's a double move. Gilmore squats like he's expecting a hitch route, but it's a straight go. I don't know what Gilmore was seeing. I don't know what caused him to squat on what he thought was going to be a hitch route. Parker releases cleanly vertical. Fitzpatrick doesn't do anything that makes you think he's throwing a hitch. He just drops, sets his feet, and throws. There's no pump. There's no shoulder fake. There's nothing. And Gilmore just sort of squats on it. And he's looking. He's in cover zero, so it's man coverage, but he's playing off. And he's sort of reading Fitzpatrick's eyes the entire way. I don't know what he thought he was seeing, but he gets beaten. And he gets beaten pretty badly for a 28-yard game. Then a couple of plays later, first and 10 at the New England 45. This is at the 555 mark. It's man coverage. Parker starts on the left side, goes in motion. Gilmore trails him. And Parker runs an out route and gets a ton of separation on it because he sells Gilmore on the vertical. They're in sort of a cover one look, so it's man coverage. Gilmore opens his hips to sort of run with it. Gilmore then breaks to the inside like he's running a dig. That spins Gilmore completely around. He tries an awkward baseball turn to get back, but by the time Parker makes this catch, he's got about six yards of separation. 
And so the first catch was a big catch for 28. This one's another big catch for 24. And on both plays, he's wide open. So he gets into him early. Gilmore gets him back, though, second quarter, third and five at the 10.59 mark. This is a go route. It's a straight go. This time, though, Gilmore is extremely patient with his hips. Doesn't really fire them until late. Once Parker commits to the boundary to get vertical, that's when he fires his hips and opens them to the sideline. Much more patient than that previous play that we just talked about, the out route, where he's turning his hips all over the place. It gets turned into a back shoulder throw. And Gilmore does a great job sort of playing up through the catch point. We've talked about that idea before. Patriots, anytime you're watching a Patriots game and there's you know a contested play downfield and the Patriots are on defense, people sometimes scream out, why aren't they looking for the ball? They're taught to play at the catch point. Rake up through the catch point. Disrupt your arm up through the catch point. Watch his eyes make a play on the ball. They don't look back for the ball. You look back for the ball, you end up lost. That's the way they teach it. So, great job there. We'll return to that in a minute. We fast ahead, forward ahead, skip ahead, quarter three. First and 10, 13.04 mark. This is just a sort of shallow route. He's playing with outside leverage here in his own sort of scheme. Gives up a slant route. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. So now he gets a quarter four. Second and 10. At the 10-28 mark. Another ch- example of him sort of opening up his hips before I'd expect him to. It's a cover one situation. Actually, cover zero. They blitz late. So it's another cover zero look. He's given up cushion pre-snap to him in the slot. And as Parker releases, he's got inside leverage and his hips are open to the middle of the field when the ball is snapped. Parker releases, doesn't really do much, just bends to the inside. But Gilmore is so worried about getting beat deep that he opens the hips wildly and starts racing downfield. So I don't know. Part of me is starting to wonder. Remember week 16? Remember that Buffalo game? When John Brown hit for that huge touchdown and everybody thought it was on Stephon Gilmore and Brown beat him deep and all that stuff. And of course it wasn't. There was supposed to be safety help. Gilmore seems so worried about getting beaten deep as these plays unfold that part of me is wondering if that was in the back of his mind. And of course, it's just wild speculation here, but something doesn't seem right on these plays. Second and 12 with a two-minute mark. This is Miami's big drive here to win this game, right? Second and 12, two-minute mark. Back shoulder throw. Gilmore versus Parker. This is a chance. Look, it's second and 12 at the Miami 47. You get a stop here. You might secure that first round by. You've got a four-point lead. This is a back shoulder throw. 
on a vertical route, and it looks as if he gets lost. He never, he never locates the ball, and he never locates, perhaps more importantly, the catch point. So he's not in a position to stop this completion. Watching him release off the line of scrimmage, watching Parker release, he's in, Gilmore is in, in press alignment. It's a straight vertical release. But he never gets off the ground. He loses track of everything. Parker's the only one going up for the football. Then finally, a first and 10. Just out, just inside the red zone. It's a first and 10 at the 17-yard line. They go cover zero. Yet again. He's playing off coverage. He's defending the goal line, giving up a cushion, gives up a completion on a quick out route in front of him and he protects the goal line and knocks him out of bounds. I'm very curious to see Parker Gilmore too. Parker missed a, missed a week of practice with an undisclosed but minor injury. He should be ready to go. I'm curious to see if they use so much cover zero again. And if so, how Gilmore fares in this rematch. His hips indicate to me that he might have been worried about getting beaten deep. He might have had that John Brown play in the back of his mind, even though that wasn't his fault. Curious to see how this rematch unfolds. But that will do it for me. Up next, the next time you hear from me is post-game. So it reminds me, Scotia Slack channel. Hit me up for an invite at Mark Schofield on Twitter. We'd love to hear from all of you. We will have in the post-game show our good, our bad, our ugly, or hopefully our great, our good, our bad. If it's a Patriots win, we'll have game balls. We will also have the take of the game, a comment from you, the listeners, in the Scotia Slack channel as the game unfolds. I always love doing that. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your loved ones. Wash your hands. And when you do, sit along and bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.